0: everyone and welcome to episode 162 of the mom hour i'm sarah powers and i am here with megan francis hey megan hey sarah so we're doing one of our favorite things today guys and Woo-hoo. that is taking your listener questions and offering our solicited parenting
1: advice yes people actually asked us for this i have to apologize my voice is still kind of on the mend like i'm still not 100 so if you're a new new listener i don't always sound so froggy and like sultry like I sultry. just had a night out at a jazz club
0: it'll have it'll add a little gravitas to your answer I,
1: I feel like I was like laying on a piano last night with like one of those long <laughs> cigarette thingies coming out of my mouth and that's why I sound like this but actually no I've just been talking a lot and I got my kids, my kids made me sick. So,
0: yeah, oh, that happens. Um, so, we have some really good listener questions to get to today. And then we like to do these in two part batches. So, next Tuesday, we will continue with some more listener questions. And we love getting your questions. So, keep sending them in. We especially love when you record yourself doing that. So, at the end of the show, I'll remind you how to do that.
1: Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So, this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR.
0: Okay, guys, so um, our first question comes from Rachel. Rachel's been a longtime listener, and I have to give her a shout-out just because she's been so supportive of the show. I think I even was connected to Rachel way back in my blogging days, and so we've kind of followed each other online, but just a really, really supportive listener of the show Um, sends in great ideas, gives us great feedback. And all of you guys who've been around from the beginning and kind of love us anyway, we just appreciate that. So we're going to play Rachel's question um, and it'll speak for itself. So we'll do that now. Hey,
2: Megan and Sarah, this is Rachel. I have a question about how to deal with my somewhat shy four-year-old and I don't know. I don't love the word shy, but I guess it's the best thing to um, describe—best word to use to describe him. And the situations where I'm most concerned are, for example, um, we go to the gym often, and um, we're leaving the gym childcare, and the teachers there or the the workers there will say, "Okay, thanks, thanks, buddy, see you later." And and I would love it if he would say thank you or acknowledge their existence in some way, but he just is very like put off by the fact that they're talking to him and he'll bury his head in my shirt or he'll just turn and walk away and you know if I say something like hey buddy say thank you he absolutely won't and I can't force him to say thank you and so I pretty much just stopped um, trying to make him say thank you and what I do is I just say okay yep and um, uh, he says thank you or or something like that kind of me being the voice of this is how you should handle the situation I just think that his shyness sometimes comes off as rude and yes he's four and I know people understand that but how do I how do I teach him that like no it's the way it's supposed to be you need to say thank you you need to look at people when they talk to you I will also add um that I have a six-year-old my other just one other child and he's six and he's never met an adult that he did not want to talk to so that's where I'm coming from <laughs> well, extremes uh opposite ends of the spectrum for sure I don't know I'm kind of at a loss so I could use a little help thanks
0: okay Rachel I really love this topic actually um and it's interesting that she brought up um, the specific instance she mentioned about like the gym childcare um, and seeing adults that the child sees regularly and is still feeling a little shy around, I think brings mm-hmm. up a really interesting side to this. So I guess if I'm going to start big picture, I I really think that um, most quote unquote shy or reserved or introverted kids um, are just developmentally not there yet where they're just not mm-hmm. ready to be social in the way that adults are social. And we have such weird expectations of kids acting like mini adults. So I would yes. say if I had to answer this question in 30 seconds, I would say, be patient, be be an advocate and be on the side of your child and don't worry about forcing them into adult niceties. That's if I had to just yeah. give a sense, that's what it would be.
1: But well, can we can yeah. we quickly just differentiate? Because I like that Rachel yeah. said she doesn't love the word shy because yeah. she doesn't know that it actually is even fitting what's going on here. And I think there's a difference between a kid who's like afraid of people or doesn't want to be away from mom and a kid who just doesn't care that we're supposed to say like, not even doesn't care, just doesn't, understand yet why we're supposed to do like the social contract like, right those are two very different things and this right. same kid could be the minute mom turns around and leaves and he's just playing could be super friendly you don't right. really know it could be awkwardness and around some, those. yes
0: and some kids are more comfortable with other kids peers yep. and some are more comfortable with adults and are more socially awkward with peers so right all of it developmentally for most developmentally on-track kids kind of sorts itself out i definitely don't think Rachel has anything to be concerned about. But yeah. I do think so. The thing that I think is interesting is she brought up a situation where they're going to gym childcare and he's familiar with these same teachers and they're seeing them every day and they say, okay, bye, thanks. And he doesn't say anything. So I think there's right. a couple ways to handle that. One is to just do exactly what she's doing, which is modeling. I'm a big fan of modeling the behavior you want your kids to do, and they're not going to do it that day. But eventually they will. So if someone said something to my shy kid and the kid wasn't going to respond, I would just respond. I wouldn't make a big deal, but I'd just say, oh, so nice to see you, too. Thanks for having us. Bye. Right. Um, as opposed to say, say thank you for having us. Say right. bye. Say, um, say, say, say
1: now. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So modeling. And she's already doing that. And that's really good. But the other thing I think, and he's four. Um, is that if you think your kid is ready to get a little bit out of their comfort zone and practice um, some of these social graces, and I think four is maybe a little young, but especially if this were like, say, a six or seven year old who really was still kind of having trouble, you know, responding or looking down or making eye contact. And we've talked about this before, Megan, with both of our introverted kids. Is It's yeah. not it's great to give a little pep talk before a social situation and have mm-hmm. them practice those things in a situation where they are comfortable where you're not asking them to go into a room full of people they don't know and shake hands with everybody but maybe you say hey buddy we're going to go to the gym today and um let's play a game where we practice making eye contact when somebody says hello yeah. um and i think there's there's little opportunities to do that especially in this case where it is it's teachers he knows and is familiar with and so it's probably the lowest barrier to entry. But I yep. think it's it, it takes the pressure off your kid if you have that pep talk beforehand and just say, hey, let's let's practice that a little bit today. Or if they do it once, then after they're out of the room or after you leave, say, oh, wow, I really noticed, you know, that you were super kind and respectful or whatever it was with when someone was speaking to you. So you're reinforcing yeah. the behavior, but you're not putting them on the spot every
1: time. Right. I totally agree. And that works with so many different yeah. Behavioral and just life things, right? It's yes. like that whole like model and then notice. Yes. Don't like point out the negative that they didn't do it, but just reinforce that when they did it. Right. And it is the kind of thing I think you're right that like most kids figure out when they start, when they get to be six or seven and yeah. they start to realize there's that social contract and like they understand it. Before that, they're just like living, is it they call like seven the age of reason, right? Like where they really start to be more in tune with what's happening outside of themselves. And before that, it's like they're kind of self-focused well they're very self-focused like that's kind of the whole point of being a kid um they're not thinking really that the other person expects it or why that might be it doesn't make logical sense to them because in their world it's not a thing so it's yeah
0: i totally agree um and a couple more thoughts that i had is the 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 teachers at the gym, childcare are most likely not noticing your son's lack of response in the way that you are. They see
1: a lot. We talked about that recently
0: in our opting out episode is we're hyper aware of our own behavior and our kids behavior, but they're saying that because they genuinely want to say goodbye to him. And because they're adults who know how to be social, they're not, they're not keeping a tally of the kids who say thank you unprompted. And the kids, yeah, this isn't
1: like going, yeah, this isn't going like against you in some ledger, right? No, absolutely.
0: And, and I, I, you know, I have to say, I, I'm i not super consistent about whether or not I remind my kids to say thank you and goodbye. Sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't. And it depends kind of on if I can do it kind of sneakily and just kind of right. like elbow, elbow, like, hey, manners. If it's really important to me, if depending right. on the, who it is, I, I might remind them. I might not. A lot of times they remember because they're getting older and a lot of times they don't. So I don't think it's one of those things where you have to like pick your philosophy and stick to it forever. Um, But I think you can definitely be patient with a four-year-old. And Rachel also said in the end of her message that she has a really outgoing six-year-old. and So that's what she's used to. Yes, and that's so true. And I know you have experienced this too, Megan, is when you have something to compare to, it makes those differences, like makes you hyper aware of the differences.
1: You know, and even if you're not, even if you're not consistent about asking or ensuring that every single time they do it, they're always going to see that you always do it. So yes, if you just exactly. like if, if the only thing you ever do is model. Yep. <laughs> I think that's like half of the battle right there because they're going to see the way you do things and eventually they're going to get the picture like they're I learning agree. by watching you even if they're not enacting it yet. I agree. I agree. hundred percent.
0: Right. Um, All right. Okay. Should we Move take on. another one? so Megan, I'm going to put you on the spot if you don't mind. Um, okay. What do I Amber- have to do? emailed this so if you don't mind reading it to us oh
1: I can read that works out okay it's like I didn't know what you had for me like (laughs) I don't know (laughs) put me on the spot here I'm not sure okay that is totally fine okay so she says hello my name is Amber I live in Ohio with my husband and one-year-old son we're a very blue-collar family and always live paycheck to paycheck both myself and my husband work full-time my husband's a mechanic and myself at my son's child care center my question is Do you have any tips or ideas on lowering monthly expenses such as a grocery bill? I'm terrible at gr- budgeting for the grocery store and I do not. Did you see that? What I just did? I said grocery the first time and grocery oh. the second time. <laughs> so, guys, like two episodes ago, maybe uh-huh. we had a whole conversation about whether we pronounce it grocery or grocery, and it turns out I go back and forth. So, I think we both
0: sorry. do, and many of our listeners wrote to us because you guys yes. like to call us out on this stuff. That's they so do. funny. Sorry, um, Amber.
1: Okay, so sorry, Amber. She asks, I am terrible at budgeting for the grocery store, and I don't have time to clip coupons for hours. Any suggestions of episodes to listen to would be appreciated. Um, And then some very sweet things. Thank you for being you. Your podcast helped me a lot as a brand new mom. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Okay, so uh, grocery budgets.
0: I feel like you have things to say. I I
1: have some things. Yes, I do. The first thing I would say is really get a check on like really pay attention close attention to your food waste if i had to say one thing the one thing i could do to get my grocery bill grocery bill under control it is to make sure i'm not throwing any food away or Mm -hmm. very very little and that is something i have struggled with a lot over the years because my family size has fluctuated Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) a lot um and as kids grow, their needs change, and all, the way you cook might be changing, right so that's where I would start. I would really closely monitor what you're eating in a week and mm-hmm. what, what's not being used up. I would um just pay attention for a week because I'm guessing if you're like me and like a lot of moms, you're overbuying, yeah, just like that like that and that's that's one thing that is just totally unnecessary spending, yeah, um <clears throat> I have actually found that in times when i'm wasting too much food or spending too much it's often because i'm actually not shopping enough which i know totally goes against all of the things that we're supposed to do which we're supposed to buy everything in bulk because it's cheaper that's not necessarily the case and if you're buying too much food again you're gonna not everything's not gonna get eaten and your bills are gonna be higher which Mm -hmm. i mean yes theoretically if you're buying grocery shopping like once a month and if you can do that and there are people who do that mm-hmm. and that's like a job. Let me just yeah. be really clear that the people who get their <clears throat> who get their um grocery bills down like really, really like ridiculously low. Yeah. I know people who do this. I know it can be done, but it is like a part-time job. It yeah. is not something you do between, you know, like coming home from work and making dinner or whatever. You know, it's not something you just fit in when you can. And you can definitely get better at it, but I think it is something that requires a lot of time. So yeah. <laughs> maybe just don't be too hard on yourself about yeah. that bill, that particular bill. I don't know, Sarah, I'm like going on and yeah, on. Do no, you have anything to that? I this okay. to you
0: because I feel like you have talked or written about this a fair amount. I do have a couple of things. Um, so there is an episode in our archives. It's episode 55. So it's exactly, almost exactly two years old. It's from June 15th, 2016. It's called Saving Money on Groceries and Household Supplies. So, Amber, you can go listen to that from the archives. And we actually talk about how we're not couponers either. So I think we're in the same boat as you. Yeah. Um, but a couple other tips that I thought of. One is more on the household supplies and less on the groceries. Um, but I think Amber mentioned that too. Um, is avoid shopping for those things at places where you're going to be tempted into impulse purchases. I don't want to yeah. call out Target but I'm going to call it Target. I mean, that's what it would be for me. So like I went through a long phase where I, I really, even though we love Target, I just almost never went to Target because it was too tempting to then also get myself some new makeup and like,
1: yes, totally.
0: Um, like, let's say we're talking about paper towels, toilet paper, um, you know, dishwasher detergent, that kind of stuff. I, I had a pretty good beat for a while on where those things were economically priced um and for me a lot of it came from costco's generic brand um and so i like i only got those things at costco i only went to costco once or twice a month um Costco can get you into overbuying and impulse purchasing too, but I I had three little kids and like, I didn't really want to be spending time in Costco. (laughs) I wasn't going to buy like a tent or something. I mean, I think some people can go to Costco and accidentally spend a bunch of money, but that wasn't the way I used it. I went there because I knew that peanut butter, coffee, organic eggs, chicken stock. It's like, I have 12 things that are so much cheaper at Costco that I cannot bear buying them anywhere else. It was like, I had found those, Twelve things, and and so that helped. um But also, not going to Target for like if I was out of low on toilet paper or paper towels, I would not run to Target because it just
1: absolutely it's too nope. tempting. Um, a lot of that stuff, I think, is it's really wise to um to buy online because if you can lock in your price, like on Amazon or something, yep. if you can like really lock in, it's it's easy to forget like what's the best deal you can get on say twelve packs of toilet paper because the sales are all over the place. Right, like you'll go in and see the sale and you're like, oh my gosh, this seems like a good deal, but is it? I don't remember how much it cost last time. So paying attention to that stuff and comparison shopping and then looking at prices online, I think is really helpful.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, another tip I was going to offer is not running out of things. So like we tend to spend more on things if we accidentally yes. run out at the last minute. Yep. And um, and I think you were sort of going there with food, too, but especially with household Items, um, it's always gonna be cheaper if you are planning ahead. And I, I think that comes kind of naturally to me. Like I just notice when we're getting low on something. Yeah. And I really don't like running out to stores at the last minute. Um, but if you need a little system, a little post-it note, a little, you know, notes file in your phone or a little mm-hmm. some way mm-hmm. to indicate when you're running low, I think you really save a lot of money by not needing to run out at the last minute for that kind yeah. of
1: thing. Um, I would okay. Another tip I would have—I yeah. didn't realize I'd have so many—but um, one I thing I would it. say is really simplify your your um, menu, mm-hmm. your menu planning. Figure out what those like five or six or seven dishes are that you can make relatively inexpensively every time, and that's not going to always. That doesn't always mean you're going to be using. Uh, here's an example: one of the cheapest meals that I make that my family will eat the entire thing, so there's no waste. Mm-hmm. Is literally I buy a bag of frozen stir fry vegetables, which is like two dollars. Mm-hmm and chicken breasts, which are, you know, whatever they are, Mm because they're all over the place, depending if they're on sale or not. And like a little sauce, Mm -hmm. that's it. But it feeds everybody, right? So it's a bag like those vegetables. If I bought them all fresh and chopped them up would probably cost more because Mm -hmm. not all of them would be in season, you know? Um, So sometimes like that's like frozen vegetables can be really an economical way of doing that kind of thing. Um, I would also say find the cheapest proteins you can that align with whatever your personal food values are. So like, mm-hmm. if you feel like it's really important to eat organic, um, to eat organic meats or free range meats or whatever, then you might have to be thinking carefully about what kind of meat you're going to eat. Cause that mm-hmm. stuff gets expensive no matter what. Um, on the other hand, if you're okay, like there's all kinds of in between labels, like there's, there's all kinds of range from like factory farmed cows <laughs> Yeah. On up to like the, the happiest of cows yep. skipping through an organic farm with no fences. Like there's like there's some different p- stops between mm-hmm. and there's cuts that are pretty cheap. Like I will do a pork butt or also called a pork shoulder. That's like a huge slab. of I meat. you can make meals yep. for days out of that. So like whatever protein you can get or maybe for you. All of the meats are like too much, and look at eggs or mm-hmm. beans. Like, there's a lots of those. Those proteins are th- the things that always make my bill. Like, if there's one variable that causes the biggest swing on my food bill, it's it's meat. Yep, for sure. Yep, because it it's all over the place. And so, yep. figuring out some really simple meal plans um, that center around the pr- the least expensive protein you'll tolerate, yep. and, and that's like yeah, that's going to be no, different I, for everybody. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I I totally agree. Um, And then, my final tip is I don't know because I don't know any more about Amber's family or how much she's budgeting or looking at things, but just tracking expenses, and there's so many different tools, but just paying attention to something is often a huge leap forward in um, just facing reality. And sometimes it surprises you what you are spending a lot of money on and what not. Um, And one thing about feeling bad or guilty or, you know, short. On cash is if we don't know what's budgeted and what we're typically spending in a month, it's hard to know. Like, should I feel guilty about spending two hundred dollars at the grocery store, or maybe that maybe that's the reality to feed my family, and I need to make cuts elsewhere in the budget? Does that make sense? So just just having an awareness. Um, and I think there's so many good tools. Um, to help you kind of track that for a few months and really look at where the money's going.
1: Yes, and if if right now, like for me, my budget, my grocery budget, and I'm putting groceries in air quotes. Um includes things like toiletries and stuff because not like my makeup and things but just like basic yeah. household like toothpaste yeah. and yeah. paper towels and stuff like that just because for me I really wanted to simplify but if I was really trying to get down to the nitty gritty right now of what I'm spending money on I would absolutely be separating that stuff out for it's sure kind of, because it's
0: kind of like you can really geek out over it if you want you I mean, can I have in yeah. the past and then you know you go through phases where you don't want to or you don't need to care but um, that's helpful I think it's always helpful yeah I'm married yeah. to a financial planner so
1: yes and sometimes really just (laughs) digging down into the nuts and bolts really helps the last thing I would say is try Aldi if you've got it and you haven't already tried it it's really a great like I'm always shocked by how much less my bill is and you might you might be surprised by the if you don't have an Aldi in your area or even if you do you might be surprised by which grocery stores cost more at certain things and which cost less like you it might not be the bigger store that Agreed. saves you the money it might I know be that's... like a little corner store which is weird and you think it'll be overpriced but depending how you shop it yep. it's not always the case well
0: and i know that's true about costco because i i like costco but it's like Things are all over the map. Some things are ridiculously cheaper, some things are are the same, and some things are yes. more expensive. So you do kind of have to know. There are entire blogs and bloggers devoted to this kind of stuff. Like I I've clicked on things before, like 10 things that are not cheaper at Costco. And I'm like, ooh, right. I want to know what those are. So definitely you can you can have fun doing some research on that.
1: Well, and I know people like I I work the point system at both CVS and Walgreens. And for things like paper towels and stuff like that, or like our town, um, like kind of our area the great Lakes states have a, a chain called meyer which uh-huh. is basically like a look like a semi-local regional walmart kind of yep. i guess it's a big box store with groceries so and even at our at our meyer store there's something called m perks but whatever it is like a lot of these places have these point systems yeah and if you're really good at working those you can do super well but probably not on everything you're going to do like m perks for example i used to use it a lot and i noticed like Certain brands will come up again and again and you could do really, really well with those branded foods and like not so well with others and you weren't gonna do any better on meats and produce. It just wasn't gonna be a thing. Right. But like if you had to go in and buy a bunch of shredded cheese, you could do awesome on shredded yeah. cheese. So you if you can like figure out one or two to really work those point systems, I just think you have to figure out the like one or two you're really gonna yeah. work because you really can't play them all.
0: And having a menu plan like you started talking about, I think really helps with that. Yes. And so I mean we yep. got off we could get off topic, but we recently did an episode on meal planning and stuff too. And that's all, it's all tied in because if you have a simple meal plan and menu plan, then you can sort of be strategic about your shopping without it, like without it becoming your full-time job. Like we talked about with coupon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know, what's good to go. My shoes. To claim this deal, go to hyahealth.com slash mom hour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to hiyahealt com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
0: So we're going to keep going here. We have one more question and, you know, it's kind of a kind of a big one, I think. So we'll take our time with it. But um, it comes from Michelle and we will play
3: it now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. This is Michelle. I have two kids, an eight-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. How do you help your children learn to deal with frustration? Um, I wasn't great with this when my son was little, and now he's very smart and very talented. And when things just don't go his way, he has a hard time dealing with that frustration. Um, he gets very upset. He starts crying. He's pounding his fist. He he's not willing to keep to persevere. So how do I teach him that? And how do I help my three nager? little girl who's learning these big who has these big emo- emotions and needs to learn to deal with them now how do i help her so she knows how to deal with them earlier and i don't have to go through this again with my when she's 7 or 8 thanks for putting on such a great podcast i look forward to listening to you every week and i can't wait to hear what you have to say thanks
0: okay michelle well thank you for this question michelle actually sent us two questions but we're taking the first one today um and this is really really common. The first thing I want to say is having three kids and Megan you have five kids. I just believe that the way kids handle disappointment and frustration and their ability to mature in that area. I mean we all we all experience disappointment and frustration. So it's right. not like those things are ever going to go away, but the way we handle it is wildly different across my three kids. <laughs> yeah. I have two hotheads and they have hot they're hot-headed in different ways and then one who's unusually reasonable and mature. Um, So one thing is just to know that there's a big wide range of normal here. Mm -hmm. And I think um, so she mentioned her son is eight. And I also have an eight year old son and I have an eight year old son who's really, he has come so far in this area. It's not easy for him. He doesn't deal well with, with frustration with he's very inflexible when things don't go his way and I I do think seven or eight is that age where you start to notice when your kid is still throwing fits and other kids aren't I don't know do you you remember that Megan with any of your kids like (sighs) I I feel Uh, like four or five and even six-year-olds it's kind of normal to see a kid crying over something yeah I just Mm -hmm. remember thinking in the last year or two like all right my kid is crying possibly more than his peers at certain things so I don't know if that happened to
1: you you know, what's interesting for me is, like, I will say my ragiest kid, like, the one who's the most frustrated, yeah, um, is Owen. Mm-hmm. Um, to my memory, you know, Isaac was, like, Isaac's toddlerhood is a blur. <laughs> Honestly, like, he was so, like, I'm, I hate the word naughty, but it's, yeah. like, the only word I can really think up for him. Yeah. He was, like, a stinker, you yeah. know? But that had started to fade by seven or eight. So probably it was Owen, and Owen's, Owen has always manifested his frustration in really odd and um disturbing ways <laughs> like like when he was three he would just come stand by me and glare at me and headbutt me silently like a silent headbutt now you might think that's better than a kid having a tantrum but actually right. I would be like what is wrong with my like what's wrong yeah. with this kid he yeah. was just and he was he could have gone all day like yeah. his tolerance or what's the word I'm looking for his endurance yeah. for a fit yeah just lasted forever. Yeah. And it would just like he would stand there and just take two steps back and then headbutt me and then take yeah. two steps back and then headbutt me. He did that till he was like five or six. Yeah. And then it kind of started to um morph into arguments. Mm-hmm. He's like a little lawyer and he's really good at mounting um a very illogical but a very like, you know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is uh just consistent Mm -hmm. consistently irrational Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just again with the endurance like he won't quit like it's just so and then he's also like a rage quitter so he's Mm -hmm. like the kid who would get mad about a game not going well and rage quit yeah but it would be like a silent rage quit so so I guess my point is just to say that like your kid might be the one crying and freaking out and screaming or whatever or pounding his fists and that sticks disturbing to you but I bet you on the other side of the playground there's a mom whose kid is like silently like stabbing or afraid to try like who's not even
0: you know not even engaging because so they're they're stuck in some other place on the continuum okay
1: or like clara is a good example of that she gets very 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 frustrated and her way because of she's got anxiety and stuff and so her way of like dealing with that is to kind of um she like she over apologizes Mm -hmm.
0: and then she worries
1: yeah she worries and she actually makes this sound and i've told her like honey i you make this sound like you're gonna cry And it's like, "Ah," you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like this little reaction she's having where she's expressing fear and frustration. So I, I guess my point is it can happen silently, too. That's yeah. like my only really point of telling well, you all this and, is how differently it manifests from kid to kid. And code.
0: hopefully we're normalizing this. Um, I think an eight-year-old is still very, very much learning how to handle frustration. Yes. I guess I'll offer a couple specific tactics. One, because I do feel like Reed has improved so much with this. One is, I mean, we kind of touched on this at the top of the show with noticing when they are making progress. I really, with with all my kids and their various issues, I really try and like, Zoom out every once in a while and be like, OK, this is better than it was six months ago or better yes. than it was yes. a year ago. And both for my own self to be like, OK, I think we're making progress. This is a kid who has a particularly hard time in this area. But if I zoom out, the overall trajectory is we're maturing. We're developing. It's happening.
1: It's, it's happening. happening. And so maybe and more I slowly really, than we'd like. But it's I happening. really
0: compliment Reed when he's able to switch gears, um, be flexible and not get frustrated with something. Um, And so compliment them when they are making progress and notice when they're making progress, because it also helps you internally and it helps them. I think that one is another thing is to look at what that kid is facing during the day. And, Just just maybe do a little gut check of are they in a phase where things really are extra hard in too many different areas? So what I mean by that is like I think it's really good for kids to be challenged and pushed in certain areas. But if school got harder this year and Mm -hmm. sports got harder this year and the three social stuff, social stuff got harder and the little sister is extra needy and demanding and dad is traveling more or whatever, then like. Maybe there are ways to like set him up for success where some of the things he does are just they're gimmies. They're not going to they're not going to create frustration because they're easy and he gets to feel successful. I've done a fair amount of reading on, you know, kids and resilience and, you know, like these types of topics. And it's something I love talking about, but they both need to be stretched and challenged, but they also need to feel successful. So it's you get to look at that as a picture and be like, okay, where can we just help this kid Feel really, really mm-hmm. successful or does he need more sleep or does he need yeah. like one fewer activity or whatever it is? So I don't know. That was a couple more thoughts.
1: Well, and one thing I will also say, and I think this is all fantastic advice. And, and I I know I've like just because I just described all of the different ways that my kids have been <laughs> have expressed their frustration and how different it is from kid to kid i think there's a real tendency i'm totally guilty of this of being like well there goes the waterworks again or like oh there goes little bobby being little bobby and you start to fall into this pattern sometimes where you just you expect and anticipate and then when it happens you react in a like Just another day with this kid, kind of a way. Even if you have no intention to, and it's not a purposeful thing in any way, and of course you don't mean to make your kid feel bad, and you would never purposely like reinforce a behavior. Yeah. Um. But sometimes we do that because we're frustrated, we're tired, or I do it. We want to go. We want to go throw a tantrum. Still do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that there's like that's such a normal reaction, but like, I mean, I think. There's something to keeping like an element, like somehow preserving that element of surprise when your kid does something that seems like, like not to get too, what's the word I'm looking for? Like too much like, oh, just another day Yep. where you stop paying attention to those triggers and you just are already on guard. Like, you know, you get that edge. Like when you're moms are always anticipating, right? So we go into a situation, we're scanning the room. We're anticipating what our family is going to do. Yep. And sometimes like, you know, you, you can kind of see what's coming. Like little sisters bugging the big brother yep. or the food, you know, you're at a, you're yep. at a gathering and the food is not what your kid's going to want. And you know, and it's you, coming, you know, it's Three, coming and you're
0: two yes,
1: and you're bracing yourself yeah. and you don't even allow yourself like the opportunity to be surprised yeah. negatively or positively. Yeah. Like you don't allow yourself that opportunity. And we all, we all do it. So it's not like, I'm not saying like, Oh, you know, don't do that. And everything's going to be better. I guess I would just say, watch for that. Like your kid can surprise you.
0: I totally agree. And I'm glad you brought that up because I do have one more quick thing. And that is, this takes so much practice. So, so, so much practice, but you can be calm and happy and even having a good time when your kid is raging and super frustrating. You
1: don't have to take that on yourself.
0: You don't. And you can be empathetic and you can get down with him for a minute and say, this is so frustrating for you. Can I help you find a different activity? Can I help redirect you? But then you can get up and walk away and say, let me know if you need my help. I'm going to go do my own thing now. So you, but that's so hard. It's so hard not to either be dragged down completely emotionally right into their stuff. Or the alternative is sort of to be really callous and like, Ignore, quote unquote ignore. And so like somewhere in the middle is like, y- you can let them know that you're available to help and you're empathetic to what they're going through. And everybody gets frustrated. You know, I, I think yeah. another good thing to do is kind of narrate when you have had a frustrating experience and be like, man, I was so frustrated because I almost ran out of gas and I was running late and just, you know, and just kind of talk through that stuff. But you don't have to live in that place with them all the time. Like you get to walk away and it's okay to be happy. and
1: I- not could not agree more. And um, I just also want to say like in public situations, I think that can be especially powerful. Yes. Because there's such a tendency to want to fix or like show everyone that you're fixing or show yeah, like, everyone do that, that you're thing reacting you
0: in a really loud voice. So everyone knows. Yeah. So everyone knows you you're parenting because you don't want
1: anyone to know that like to think that you don't handle things. But I think I think when I have allowed myself to demonstrate that balance of empathizing and caring and loving, but also walking away and still going back to what I'm doing in my conversation. Or, and I have done so much as to pick up a tantruming child and move them to a place where they can tantrum without bothering other people right? in a very loving way. But it's like, I'm going to put you over here now because you're being really loud or whatever yeah. it is. And like the other parents, you know, there might be a little discomfort at first, but like the more other people see you being really confident and just handling it. Yeah. kindly but firmly and yeah. kind of nonchalantly I feel like it diffuses the situation and it makes other people comfortable like and I, I feel- really do and I've witnessed that over and over yes. like people will kind of give you this weird look and say like oh well you're pretty confident or yeah. <laughs> I've, you I've gotten feel a lot of so comments much like better that. after it. you yeah. feel
0: so much better after that situation has passed than you do when you know You do any of the other things that we've all done overreact, freak out,
1: leave the party because like your kid can't, you know, is like freaking out and then you feel like you have to leave and then you get home and think, well, now, like I just, I cut my evening short because of something totally normal, like a very normal thing that my kid would have gotten over. um, You know, so I don't know that can't doesn't always work. I know there are kids who are super persistent in their tantrums and sometimes it is sometimes leaving the leaving the shopping cart full in the middle of the aisle in the grocery store aisle is the right choice. But, and I would, you know, that's your decision to make like what you can tolerate, but sometimes letting your kid have the tantrum and going about your business is also the right choice. And sometimes that can come off. as like, like a really confident and almost comforting choice to other people. And so don't, I I would just say, try not to worry too much about like the public parenting thing. I think that's one of my, the thing I I come back to a time and time again that I feel like if I could go back and change one thing, that I did as a younger mom. Yeah. It would be having less of my parenting decisions be ruled by how I felt other people thought about yep. me in the moment.
0: Yep. Well, I'm that kind of transitions into we hadn't touched on the fact that Michelle also has a three-nager, <laughs> a yes. little girl. And you know, what she said when she sent this question was that she felt like she didn't handle this as well with her now 8-year-old and and I would say it's probably more likely that your 8-year-old just has a particularly yep. agreed hard time with dealing with yep. frustration. It's not that you did anything wrong and your 3 teenager has big emotions because she's three.
1: So yeah, there's not I don't think there's anything she could do to head it off at the past.
0: I don't think so, <laughs> yeah. except that just have a lot of patience with yourself yep. because yeah. three year olds are crazy. So like you can help her deal with big emotions, which I think is how you phrased it in the question by doing all the things we've talked to I've talked yep. about. Like helping her, setting her up for success, making sure that, you know, she's She's doing things that are developmentally appropriate. She's not because three-year-olds are crazy. They want to do everything by themselves and they can't. And that's like a constant yep. dance. So I don't know that. I don't think you need to think about it. Like, what can I do better with her so that she nope. is not like this? I think her son sounds like he's just wired that way. And there's a lot of great yep. things. He's probably a little bit of a perfectionist. He's probably really driven. There's some things that will probably help him by having those traits. And there's some things that are going to be hard. That's how it works. Yep. Right. Like, so. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't have a lot else to say about three majors, except that, yes, they they get super frustrated. They want to do everything by themselves and they're completely irrational. So I'd almost spend my so energy- the more
1: you can do. Well, the more you can do to set your life up and like to set yourself up for success, yeah. really, the better. Like the more yeah. you can do to you feel good. Yeah. About what's you know, happening and like you tolerate it, I think, is kind of the solution to all that stuff. Right. I totally agree. And make yeah.
0: sure you have lots of room. To take breaks because if you have a raging seven or eight-year-old and a three-nager yes. then you need a little you a little need some break. breaks yeah. um but yeah i really <laughs> relate to this one a lot because of my little guy hmm. um all right megan well next week we're going to take three more of these questions nice. but before we wrap up we got to do our end of show segment which is cue it up and what i thought i would do for cue it up is just tell you guys that i think our listener questions episodes are some of the best ways to get to know us if you're new to this podcast. I
1: totally agree. And there's some of, honestly, they're they're my favorite. They are. They're
0: fun for us to do. But they also, what they do, two things. They allow us to be a little more opinionated than we yes. are in our regular <laughs> episodes. Because somebody has asked us for our opinion. So in our regular right. episodes, we're pretty, we paint a pretty broad brush of like, it's going to be okay no matter what and all of that. But if someone with a very specific challenge asks us for our opinion, I think we're, we're allowed to be a little more opinionated. So that's fun. But also we cover a lot of different topics and a lot of different age ranges in a relatively short period of time. So if you're one listener wrote that she had dated, quote unquote, dated a lot of mom podcasts and like she chose <laughs> us. So if you're dating around and you're not sure if this podcast is for you, go listen to our listener yes, questions. Episodes. I'm going to um, read out just a couple of episode numbers so you can scroll back and find them. Um, and then I'll link to all these in the show notes at themomhour.com. But if you're back at the beginning, near the beginning, episode 41, 52, 65, 73. So go check those out. I'm not gonna read any more because you guys will lose me. Um, but 41, 52, 65, and those are all from 2016. And you'll just hear so many different types of questions and our responses. And I think it's a fun way to get to know us. So that's my queue it up. Those are the ones I would queue up if you are new and haven't listened to more of these
1: types of episodes. Very fun.
0: Um, yeah, that's all I got. So we'll be back with you guys next week with more great questions and our advice.
1: Hopefully my voice will be back by then. Yeah, it <laughs> so will. I'm paid now and now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye guys. <laughs> Thanks guys. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance.
0: Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your
0: stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general.
1: You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if mom, our listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at Meganfrancis.substack.com and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N Francis.substack.com.